All right, church, if you would uh, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 8 this morning and read all the way through verse 20. It says here, Then the earth reeled and rocked, and the foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked, because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed uh, forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him his canopy. Thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. Uh, the foundations of the world were laid bare. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place, and he rescued me because he delighted in me. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. All right, so today we are picking up where we left off last week. Pastor Laramie preached um, verses 1 through 7. And uh, we're, we're picking up there from verses 8 through 20. This psalm from David is uh, over 50 verses long, so it's been broken up into about four sermons or so. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's David's greatest psalm, if you will, uh, as far as praise and glory to God. In fact, uh, Pastor Laramie mentioned this last week, but uh, I believe it's Psalm 18 that's written from this one. But then also you can see a lot of this imagery and language and many of the other psalms. And so what David is doing here is he's praising God for delivering him from all of his enemies. So in essence, this is a song of deliverance uh, from David to the Lord. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful praise to the eternal king of glory. And that's who we recognize who God is. He's the eternal king of glory. And although we see the kingdom of Israel established here in First and Second Samuel, we truly see who, who the real king is. Uh, Saul fails. David, uh, although he's committed to the Lord and, and faithful as far as following the Lord and the Lord only, he is full of sin as well, and, and, and he, he fails and, and has to be helped by the Lord. Um, both of these men, they, they find themselves in situations where it's above their head. They can't really handle the situation. Enemies are greater than they are, and it's the Lord who comes and rescues them. And so it's the Lord who, who rules Israel, and it's the Lord who defeats the armies of Israel. It's the Lord who puts them in, in um, a wonderful and safe place. So he truly is the eternal king of glory, and this psalm is a praise to him. Now, as far as David is concerned, uh, his enemies have been many. We've, we've read them in Scripture. But God has been faithful to David, even when David was not faithful to the Lord. Uh, David, as I said, didn't, didn't sway from God as far as God being his only God, and we'll talk about that next week, but David sinned against God, um, and as we do as well, from time to time, we, we sinned against God. Uh, so then, therefore, we have been unfaithful to God because God says that we need to be holy as he is holy. 
But although we are unfaithful to him in that sense, he is completely faithful to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God continues to live for us today and empower us and help us through anything and everything that we go through. Uh, so David is, is a reminder of that for us. And as we read about David's life, the good, the bad, the ugly, all those moments, I don't know about you, but we've, I've been through a roller coaster ride. Uh, sometimes I'm cheering for David, and I'm like, yes, David's a, he's a great godly man. Other times, David has me frustrated. I'm like, how, how in the world could you do that, David? The Lord has blessed you so much. You have everything that you need. Why would you go and take something that's not yours? Why would you do this, or why would you do that? Uh, he's made us laugh at times. He's made us cry. He's disappointed us. Most of all, this is what David does for us. Most of all, he has caused us to look within ourselves. That's what, he, that's what he does, because at the same time that we're looking at David and we're so frustrated with him and we're saying, David, what are you doing? God has made you king of Israel. You have everything that you want. Why are you seeking other things? At the same time, we're saying that if we're very careful, we need to point the finger back at ourselves because we do the same thing. Just in different ways. We sway from God. We, we, we look towards other things. We think we know better than God. We do all these different things. So David is, is he's human. And, and what, what I'm thankful for and grateful for is that David is very human on, in Scripture. He's a man after God's own heart, and we appreciate that about him. But he is a man who sins against God in, mighty, in, in, in egregious ways. And, and that also is a reminder of us that we can be, we can be people who love God. But in the end, we still need the mercy and the grace of God. Because without God, we're, we're nothing and we're lost. So, so David is a reminder of us. Uh, throughout First and Second Samuel, as we read about David's sin, we are forced to look at our own sin. And the, the awesome thing about that, though, is that as we look at our own sin, we are blessed to know that we have the same God who rescued David from all his troubles. We have that same God. Although David sinned against him and, 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 he, and David was unfaithful to God in that sense, God was always faithful to him. And that's what this song is about. It's a praise to the faithful God, the faithful eternal king of glory. And, and God is, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So we serve the same wonderful and awesome and committed and faithful God that David served. Now, today I'd like to, for us to look at this tribute here from verses 8 through 20. And like I said, David used this as a tribute to the Lord. Well, I, I want it to remind us, uh, and I want, it to be, I want it to be our tribute to God for his goodness. So as we look at these verses, let it be a reminder to us of God's faithfulness to us and how, how blessed we are to be, to be his people. Uh, I want to break up this sermon into four parts, and then I, I have an application for you. But uh, the first part is that David prays and the Lord hears him. Uh, the second part is that the Lord responds to David's prayer. Uh, the third part is that the Lord moves to help David. And then the, first part, the fourth part is that David saves, or excuse me, the Lord saves David from his strong enemies. And then I'll have a, a quick application to, to bring that all together. So the first thing we see in this passage is that David prays, and then the Lord hears him. Um, I want to back up one verse just for context. Verse 7 says, In my distress... I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry 
came to his ears. As we look at that verse, there's a couple of words that we have to really look at to understand. First of all, David says, in my distress. Now, when we hear the word distress, we think of, um, in, in English, we think of agony. We think of pain. We think of suffering. Uh, we, we think of calamity. Uh, uh, persecution is a Christian word that we would use. Uh, here, the word distress can be translated to the word press, like you are being pressed down by something. Uh, it's all the same thing, but what we need to know is that David was in real trouble here. Now, as we look at this uh, part of chapter 22, we have to remember that this is looking backward. Uh, this is towards the end of 2 Samuel here. They start to look backward at other things that went on in the life of David that weren't mentioned beforehand. One thing we do know, I can't tell you when, when this period is talking about, but David is just praising God for saving him from his enemies. One thing I can tell you is that this was after David was already the king of Israel. So after he's made king of Israel, he, he praises the Lord for his help and his faithfulness in, in, in taking care of him while all his other enemies were coming against him. So if, you wanna, if you're thinking about a timeline, that's kind of the timeline we have to work with. Um, so David was in distress. He was pressed down. He was, uh, uh, he was suffering. He was in anguish. Uh, because he had strong enemies coming upon him. So much so that David, being the, uh, the, the warrior that he was, uh, the, the, the soldier that he was, the, the man of, of blood that he was, uh, even in, in, in times in his life, he was afraid. Even in times in his life, he, he felt overwhelmed. And in that time, he called upon the Lord, he said. He called upon him. To my God, I called. From his temple, he heard my voice. That, praise God indeed. That's very encouraging. Because here is David in distress, pressed down. He is, he is suffering. He is uh, afraid. He doesn't know what's going to come of his situation. Uh, he's, he's fearful of his enemies. And he has nothing left to do but to call upon the Lord. And so he calls him. And the Lord hears his prayer from his temple. Now, this could mean a couple of things. The word temple could be translated to tabernacle. Um, wherever God is, his presence is. So he, he tabernacles amongst us. But this also is probably in reference to his place in heaven, uh, the, the heaven of heavens, the third heaven where God is, right? So David is pointing out that he called in his distress, he called upon the Lord and the Lord heard him all the way in heaven. He heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. You know, one of the most desperate feelings in the world is to feel like you are in distress, to feel like, to, to be afraid, to be lonely, uh, to be without help, and you cry out for someone and no one hears you. That, that is a very scary thing to have to go through. As an adult, I, I don't know if I've ever been in a situation where it was a, a, like a, a physical thing where I'm trapped in something and I, I, I need help and I'm crying out and no one is there to hear you. You hear people who are, uh, who are stranded at sea and they, they, they say that, that they're, it's so hopeless out there because if you yell out, no one can hear you. You know no one's going to come to rescue you. So you're basically just crying out 
to no one. You're crying out, and it's, it's, it's in vain. Um, that's one of the scariest things. Now, as kids, I think we can all relate to that. I remember one time, um, I can't even remember how old I was, but I got lost in the Quero Walmart, and uh, I got separated from my mother. I wanted to go to the toy section, and she told me, she says, I need to go and do all this stuff. If you go to the toy section, you're going to have to come and find me. It's like, okay, I got it. So I went to the toy section. Then I went to all the other sections that I thought she was at, and I could not find her. And I remember crying out to her in the middle of Walmart, just crying out. And finally, one of the workers came, and I had tears running down my face because I, I couldn't find my mother. And she called over the intercom, and my mother came, and, and she rescued me in a sense, right? But that was a, that was a, a helpless feeling for me at, at, at my age, whatever age I was. I think I was like 13 or 14. Just joking, just joking. Or like five maybe, or four or five. So it, it, she, she ministered to me. She rescued me, right? And, and so we've all been in that situation as, as kids, but think about how desperate and, and how hopeless it would be if we cried out and no one heard us. And the longer that goes on, desperation turns into hopelessness, right? Because after a matter of time, you're like, what's the use? No one's going to hear me. No one's going to come. No one knows what I'm going through. What what do I have to live for? Why do I even try? Uh, Why don't I just give up? It, it, It turns into hopelessness. Now, listen, there are many desperate and hopeless people walking around because they think no one hears them cry out. Maybe that's you this morning. Well, I'll tell you what, if you are the Lord's, then the Lord has heard your cry. And that's what we're seeing here in this passage. The Lord all the way from heaven, because although he is in heaven, he is also in us. He has given us his spirit. He is with us wherever we go. He never forsakes us nor abandons us. He's always, his presence is always with us. So we cry out to him. He hears our cry. That is one of the greatest blessings of all creation, that the God of creation hears our prayers. David said, he heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. That's a wonderful proclamation. Let me ask you this morning, what have you been crying out to the Lord? What is it? I want to tell you, you are not abandoned. Your words have reached his ears. Verse 7 is extremely important to our faith and our hope that when we cry out, it reaches the ears of God. See, if David is praising God because he hears his voice, That means God hears your voice too. And thank God that God is immutable. He doesn't change. When we pray, he hears us. When we can't pray, he still knows us. When when we are in distress and we can't utter what is going on internally, we can't figure out mentally how to ask God's help, the Bible says, that he searches our hearts and that he knows us and that he knows what we need before it reaches our mouth. What a wonderful God we serve. And that's the context here of 
of what David is, 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 is singing about, is praising the Lord about. He says, I was in distress. I was pressed down. And I cried out to God, and, and, and he heard me all the way from heaven. Now, the next thing we see in this, uh, in this passage is that the Lord responds to David's prayer. So he hears him, and then he responds. Now, I said one of the greatest blessings of all creation is the fact that God hears our prayers, and that is, that's one of the greatest blessings. Well, one of the greatest miracles in all of creation is that he answers our prayers. That's one of the greatest miracles. That, that is so awesome, because if you look from verses 8 to verse 20, David, he, 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 he describes God's faithfulness in answering his prayers and also in, in saving him. That's what our verses are about. Now, notice, though, how majestic the actions of the Lord are and how creation reacts and bends to his ways. And David uses imagery here to, to describe how God moves when we pray to him. Now, this was extremely helpful for me because a lot of times when we pray to God, we, we, we don't use our imagination in a sense to how our prayers are answered. We pray Prayers answered, and if it's according to the way we ask, we're praising God. If it's either way, we should be praising God. But but the prayer is answered, and we're like, man, the Lord answered my prayers, and we're excited about it. But I love how David here uses his his mind and imagination, and it describes how how God uh, how God reacts to his prayer, how how God responds rather to his prayer. Now look at this, uh, verse nine. He says. Uh, the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked. Uh, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire, uh, fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. Why? Well, because the Lord is angry. That, that's, that's his response to David's prayer. He's, he's angered by it. Not by David. He's not angered at David, not at this moment in time. David has angered him in the past, but he's not angry at David. He's angry at David's enemies. And, and, and that's where we see the Lord's response. He hears the prayer, and then he is angry at David's enemies. And David uses imagery to show God's anger, how the, the, the earth reacts to God's anger, and, and he describes him uh, smoke coming up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth, uh, glowing coals flame forth from him. Now, what we need to do is we need to notice the contrast between David and the Lord and how enormous it is. While David is helpless, he's pressed down, he's crying out for help, he's in distress, the Lord is powerful and in complete control. There's a big difference. God is high and mighty. We are not. God is eternal. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. He is all these things perfectly. We are not. Ultimately, this is what we have to understand. God is in control. We are not. So the Lord is angry, and he's angry at David's enemies. See, the Lord's anger against those who do evil is real. It's real. Uh, you know, in, in, in today's theology, uh, 
Some tried to make the Lord, tried to make God a God only of love. Well, we understand that God is all things, and he is all things perfectly. And so God is not only a God of love, but he is a God of justice as well. And so God responds to David's prayer in anger. And he is angry at those who do evil. Uh, Now, in a different psalm, David describes it and says it well about God's anger against those who do evil and and, and then his his peace and loving kindness against those who do good. Um, Psalm 34, when, when David was... Uh, being saved from King Achish, he, he, he penned these words down. Uh, Psalm 34, verses 15 through 18. He says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his uh, ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and saves the crushed in spirit. That that psalm is a wonderful psalm describing God's faithfulness to his people. There is a distinct difference between the way the Lord reacts to those who are evil and those who are righteous. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. That means we have his favor, not because of anything we've done, but because of his son. We have his favor. We are clothed with Christ. So then when we cry out, he hears us. But it says the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the memory of them from the earth. Oh, but when we cry out, the Lord hears us and delivers us from all of our troubles. The Lord is near you. Because scripture says he's near the brokenhearted and that he saves the crushed in spirit. So, yes, the Lord gives favor and mercy towards his children, but wrath is kindled by the evilness of the wicked. Even Paul, in his writing about God's everlasting love, asked this question. And, and this is what should really help us here today. If God is for us, who can be against us? He also continues and he asks another question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, that's the word that David's using here, isn't it? Our persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Then here's the proclamation that Paul makes after pondering all these different things. No, he says, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We see the Lord respond to David's prayer, and he is in anger of his enemies. That should bring us encouragement that the Lord just doesn't let things happen to us. That, that, that people will face judgment. They face judgment today even as they live. That God will not let one sin go by. One Christian who was killed, he will deal with that sin. There will be retribution for the blood of any Christian who is taken through persecution. When people come against his children, 
He protects them. If we think about it, in reality, even if, you, if we're in that situation, someone comes against your child, you're going to protect them. How much more will God protect his children? Here's the, here, here's the, the, the whole thing and what it comes down to with this point. If you have Christ, then you have everything you need for life and godliness. And that includes God's protection and his favor. Now, the third thing we see is that the Lord moves to help David. I, I separated the two because responding is one thing. Uh, moving to do something is another thing as we look at it in this passage. What good would it have been if the Lord only heard David's prayer and was angry about it? If the Lord heard his prayer, he says, you know what, that makes me really mad. And then just did nothing about it. The Lord moves. He moves to help David. And that's what David is saying here. When I was in distress, I prayed. When I prayed, the Lord responded. When the Lord responded, he moved. Many times we grow frustrated thinking that the Lord hears our prayers. Because we've been taught that from a young age. We're like, yes, the Lord hears our prayers. We understand that. But we grow frustrated because we feel like he's not doing enough to help the situation. Deep down inside, even if we don't say it or utter it, if we, we, we dare not utter it, we, we, just, we just think it. Why can't you do more, God? Why isn't this taken care of yet, God? How long do I have to deal with this, Lord? Why can't you just take this away from me, God? We, we get really frustrated with that. But in reality, we're frustrated that God is not answering our prayers like we want him to. That's what we're really frustrated about. That doesn't mean he isn't moving. It just means that God does what he pleases. And that's all it means. I'm not going to tell you that, you're, that God is telling you in your prayer to, to wait or he's rejecting it or this or this is going to happen. I, only God knows that. But, if it, but God has moved in the way he has decided to move. If you're waiting for something, there's no telling what God is doing while you're waiting. That's something that may be revealed to you later, or maybe not at all on this side of heaven. But we know that every time we pray, God responds. He hears our prayer. There, there's an, a, an emotion tied with it. He's either happy with us or happy with, our, with, with what's going on, or he's angered by what's going on in our lives and what we're praying about. And he responds every single time. See, to his plea, David said that the Lord bowed the heavens and he came down. He said that in verse 10. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Isaiah 66. Now, the fact that David prayed, the Lord heard him, 
the Lord responds, the Lord moves. When David describes how the Lord moves, it just, it, it, it just it is encouraging to our hearts. He bowed the heavens and came down. Think about the expanse between the Lord and us. Unfathomable. And yet, he came down. Philippians chapter 2 describes this. The incarnation of the Lord, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Lord came down. See, David's just talking about his distress here. He's talking, this is very personal. When I was in distress, David says, the Lord heard me from his temple. My cry reached his ears. He was angered. He came down to help me. Now, that's awesome that David could say that, but we can too. And, 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 Dave, and, and God saved us from the most distressing thing in our lives, and that is the power of sin and death. And to that, the Lord came down to save us. Every prayer that we pray to him, the Lord responds. He is imminent. He is within us. And he responds to what we ask. And he gives us something better than what we ask for. Because only he truly knows what we need. Look at the imagery that David uses to describe the Lord's descending um, Verse, starting in verse 11, uh, he, he says this of, of the Lord. He rode on a cherub and flew. Now, the cherub were mythological uh, angelic beings. And, and so David's describing the Lord having sovereignty over these angelic beings and that he is, he is riding down on them and flying. Uh, he was seen on the wings of the wind. In the New Testament, we are told that the spirit is like the wind. It it has power. It moves. It goes here and there, but it cannot be seen. Well, we imagine the wind, and and in pictures, how do you draw wind? Well, you you draw it in a way that you can see it, but in reality, we do not see it. So here is God riding on the wind. We recognize how powerful the wind is, and yet we have a sovereign Lord who controls the wind and and tells him, Takes me, tells the wind, take me left, take me right, take me east, take me west. And he's riding on the wind. Verse 12, he made darkness, he made darkness around him, his canopy. That's, that's crazy because what it's saying here is that he is clothed in darkness. It is, it is above him, it is around him as he is riding on the wind. Thick clouds, a gathering of water. Now, why, you say, well, I thought the Lord was light. Why is there darkness? Well, the way David puts it in verse 13, he's like, the reason why there is darkness around him is because immediately coming from him is brightness. 
And so before him, this brightness is showing. And as the Lord is coming down, he is so holy that the brightness from his holiness is, bring, is, is, is going forward. But as he goes past one place, it, the light just shines and it lights everything. And as he goes past, here's this canopy of darkness that has fallen him as he is flying down. At the request of a prayer. Like we, we, we pray to God and we know it's answered, but do we ever think about like how God moves? If we saw this with our own eyes, we wouldn't be able to take it. We would, we would die right there and then just looking at this. David describes the Lord moving. Awesome. I think if we did more of this, we'd be more appreciative of when the Lord answered our prayers. It wouldn't be just like, oh, hey, praise God. Hey, sister, praise God, the Lord answered my prayer. Oh, that's so wonderful. Where are y'all going to go eat lunch? If we thought about how the Lord moved for us, not in the sense that we have any control in him or over him, but that in the fact that he loves us. The fact that we cried out to him and, and, and he responded to that. And how he moved in our lives. David's like, oh, it was awesome. He uses this imagery to show how the Lord comes down. He says, the Lord thundered from heaven. When you see the word thunder and it's related to God, it's usually about his voice and that's what comes next. And the Most High uttered his voice. One of the first things that we are afraid of as children is thunder. We're afraid because it's like, that's a big, loud noise. Where is that coming from? What's causing that? The Lord speaks, David said, it's like thunder. And he sent out arrows to scatter them. David's talking about this lightning that's coming, routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were laid bare. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast, at the breath of his nostrils. There truly is no one like the Lord. I'm reminded of what's said of the Lord in Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. That, that's going to be what we're going to be crying out to God when we get to glory. Worthy are you, O Lord. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. He has all those things. When we pray, he moves. Then the last thing we see in this praise to God here in these verses is that the Lord saves David from his strong enemies. It'd be one thing if, the, if David just said, man, you, I saw this awesome display. Because essentially what David is saying here is, I saw an awesome display of your power. I, I don't know exactly how you did it, but... He uses imagery to show what he saw manifested in his life. 
I prayed for help because my enemies were too strong for me. And these awesome and mighty things happened. I saw the Lord respond and I saw his power and I just want to try my best to describe it to everyone. But it'd be one thing for David to say, yeah, he, he came down, describe it beautifully, and then again, nothing happens. But something did happen every time. The Lord saved David from his enemies. David is not too proud to say that um, he, he, he wasn't, or he, he's not too proud to say that he was scared when he faced some of his enemies. I don't know who he's talking about here. Maybe he's talking about Saul. Maybe he's talking about Achish. Maybe he's talking about anybody and everybody that, that, that he faced uh, within that time. Who knows? Only God. Now, the important thing to remember, though, is that there is no one too strong for the Lord. Second Samuel, um, basically, are, are the last two verses of our, of our uh, passage here, are actually the last uh, three verses. He said, he rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. I love David's honesty here because it's pretty hard to be humble like that, especially when you're a king like David. It must have been hard. Or when you were like a soldier like David, it must have been hard. You ask any young man, like, for instance, a young man who plays football and they have a football game and they lose against the other team. You're like, man, that was a tough loss, wasn't it? They're not going to say, yeah, they were way better than us. They just beat us. They beat us in every single thing. They were stronger than us. They were faster than us. They're not going to say that. They say, yeah, we had a lot of people hurt. Or, yeah, we ran out of time. Or, yeah, some other thing will come, right? We'll get them next time. We'll get them next time. We almost had them. If we would have done this, this, and this, David says, no. No, my enemies were too strong for me. It was too much for me. Sometimes in life, we utter those words. We, we come to realize. When, when my kids face trouble, I appreciate that as a gift from God. Sure, as, my, as a parent, my heart hurts. As a parent, I, I, I want to save them from it. I want to make sure that, that they're not corrupted by anything. But one thing they need to learn is that there are a lot of things in life that are beyond them, that are more powerful than them, that bind them, that can hurt them. They, they, they need to know that. And they need to learn early. Very early in life. That the first thing that must be done is that they cry out to the Lord. And that they are completely honest with them and say, Lord, this is beyond me. I'm over my head here. I'm not strong enough for this. I'm not smart enough for this. I don't have the answer for this. We all will do ourselves some good if we hang on to the last words of David, or the, the last words in verse 19, where he says, 
but the Lord was my support. All these enemies, they, they, they were too strong for me. They were too mighty for me, but the Lord was my support. Although David was not spared from trouble, we see that the Lord rescued him from all of it. Now, very quickly, how does this apply to us? Well, in many, many ways. This is one of those passages where it's very difficult to come down to just one application. I'll give you one in general, but you probably walked away from this with many, and you should have. But there's one thing that we can all agree upon here. I think Pastor Laramie said this, and then I said this maybe the week or two weeks before that. Uh, Maybe because it's tax season right now. That's what's on our minds. But some say that the only two thing that there are only two things in life that are certain and that's death and taxes. I think you said that, right? <laughs> Don't even talk to me about taxes right now. I'm having a hard time with that right now in a lot of different ways. Um, I think I think that's that's not true in in a sense and I, that's what Laramie was saying as well. I think those two things belong in a more general category, right? Because we we know those aren't the only two things that we have to go through here. Earth. And, and I know it was a, it was a it's a saying that's supposed to uh, re, people are supposed to respond in laughter to, but those things are troubles, but they belong in a more general category. Um, I say the only thing that is certain in life is trouble, right? It may not be the only thing, but it's one of those things that's certain, and I think that's where death and taxes fall into trouble, and so. There are a lot of things that fall into that category. And essentially, that's what David is talking about, isn't he? The, the trouble that I've been through, Lord, um, the, the trouble that, that happens to me, that is around me every single day, sometimes it's stronger than me, sometimes it's above me, sometimes I can't, I can't deal with it. So I called upon you, Lord, and you, you responded, you moved, you saved me from my trouble. And that's what Psalm 34 says too, right? He's going to save us out of all of our trouble. So in essence, what we're talking about here is, is, is trouble. That's one thing that is certain in life. And it's biblical. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So we understand that. We know it because we live it. Trouble comes in many ways. Now, this is what we don't like to hear sometimes. We cause, sometimes we cause the trouble in our lives. There is nobody else to blame but ourselves. And, and you know, most of us, I hope we, we own up to the trouble that we're causing and we recognize it, that it's in us, and, and that we have a fault. Uh, but trouble comes in other ways, too. Sometimes it's not by our sin, but sometimes it's by the sin of others. We have no problem seeing that. We see when someone else brings trouble into our lives, that's easily identified. But trouble is constant. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are or not. Trouble is there. Everybody goes through it. Sometimes we're, we're, it's almost as if our heads are in the clouds because we think 
We're the only ones who go through trouble. But everybody is dealing with it. It's constant. It invades our thoughts. It affects our moods. It, it causes us stress and anxiety. It does so much to us. Why? Because it's always there. You may have a week or two, a month, maybe, if you just lock yourself in a room and don't talk to anybody and, and, and don't do anything with anybody, you may not have some trouble. But in reality, the trouble is there. It's just waiting for you to open your door and walk out, right? You're, you're just, so it's there. We can't avoid it. Trouble is everywhere. It invades our homes, causes division in our families. It invades our churches. It destroys relationships. In reality, trouble seeks to destroy us. But the Lord, what David is saying here, is that the Lord is our support. He says, I've been through all of this. I've been overwhelmed. I've been in a lot of trouble, but the Lord has always been my support. Brother and sister, that's you as well. The Lord is the only one who can hold us up in our trouble. Everything else is sinking sand. It, 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 it cannot hold us. He is the support of our lives. What, what does that mean? When you look at that word support, it's, it's the Lord is our sustenance. The Lord provides for our every need. The Lord enables us to stand. The Lord picks us up when we do not stand. The Lord cares for us. So much so that when we are in his hands, no one can take us out. When we go through the most difficult thing in life that we've ever been through, we still have the Lord as our support. When your life is falling apart and it feels like no one hears you, your prayer reaches the ears of the Lord. It is true. Psalm said that the Lord is near the brokenhearted and that he saves the crushed in spirit. My plea to you is that you cry out to him and wait. I can't tell you when he's going to answer your prayer. I can't tell you how he's going to answer your prayer. I can only guarantee that the Lord hears your prayer. He responds to it. He will move. And he will save you from all of your trouble one way or another. That may be on this side of heaven or the next. But the Lord keeps his promises. Let us pray.